Well, good morning. <clears throat> uh, as we kick off this brand new series, I, I want to ask a simple question. Have you ever felt like you've been forgotten? Very simple, light question to start out a Christmas season. Have you ever felt like you've been forgotten? I'm pretty sure growing up, I was forgotten at a few different places as a kid. Um, I, I would assume it's accidental. My mom is here. I'm not going to ask her. But like, I'm, a, I'm pretty sure I've been forgotten a couple of times, right? And maybe you're a parent and you're like, yeah, there's that one kid. I forgot that one time. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if it was accidental or on purpose, really. But sometimes, like, I'm, I'm pretty sure I've been forgotten to get picked up from somewhere. Or, or maybe there's been seasons where maybe <clears throat> we have forgotten to check in on one another. Maybe you've forgotten to check in on some of your good friends and your family members during this, this season. It's just so busy, and it's the one thing that just continually slips your mind. Or, or how about uh, there's a season in life when, when things get tough, and maybe you have lost something. Maybe you have lost someone, and you just feel forgotten right now. You feel forgotten. Have you ever felt like you've been forgotten? What about, have you ever felt like you've been forgotten by God? Like, have you ever felt almost spiritually, divinely let down? Have you felt like you've been forgotten by God, that all of his promises that he has made and the things that he can do, but yet here you are and none of that has come, and you're like, God, did you forget me? Like, you've done everything right. You have done everything right in life. You've You've tried your best and everything, but yet you don't have the rewards. You don't have the blessings. And, and then naturally you're like, well, God, did you just forget about me? I mean, you've followed the rules. You have obeyed the commandments. You haven't done anything stupid. And yet everybody else in the world is getting the blessings and the rewards. And you've done everything you can to stay on this thin, straight line. But yet, here you are. Forgotten. The blessings God was supposed to give me, gave me, uh, he kind of forgot to do that. Maybe that's what you feel like today. Maybe you feel like the rewards for my obedience to him, God forgot that too. Or maybe, God, like I've, I've, I've done everything. I've been the best Christian that my whole family has ever known. Where's my honor? Where's my applause? All I feel is this persecution and this brokenness. Why didn't you remember to give me that, God? Why did you forget me? Have you, have I ever felt like we were forgotten by God? See, I think oftentimes we hold on to things that have been spoken over to us or, or maybe scriptures we've read that have been kind of seeped deep down into us. I, I know I've done this and, and I hold on to it and I'm like, okay, God, when is this going to happen? Like I, I, there's been seasons in my life where I've been in prayer meetings and and and, and mission trips and people would speak stuff and prophesy stuff over me. And I'm like, oh God, like this is great. Now, if only you would get on my timeline, right? If only you would do it according to the way I think you should do it. But God in his divine power and, and being all knowing and all powerful has his timeline and his strategies. If only that matched up with how I thought he should do it for me, Right? Because I'd really enjoy some of those blessings sometimes. 
promises, like we hold on to them. I'm, I'm reminded often of promises I make because my, my five-year-old son has a unique knack for remembering that three weeks, four days, six hours, and 23 minutes ago, I promised him if he ate one piece of broccoli that I would give him this piece of candy. And he's cashing in on that promise, right? Dad, do you remember those weeks ago where you told me you'd give me a piece of candy if I ate broccoli? And I ate the broccoli, but I didn't get the candy because I forgot about it. Yeah, I'd like that candy now. I'm like, bro, that was like a month ago. The candy is long gone. That candy was gone by 8 p.m. You went to bed. I ate it, bro. It's, it's bye-bye. But we hold on to these promises sometimes, and we try to cash in, and, and, and we're like, God, you've promised this, or God, you spoke this over me. Like, I'm holding on to it, and we try to cash it in or remind him of it in our timing. And then we're like, God, why did you forget about me? Or in some cases... Some cases I remember the promises. But then there's other moments where I remember what God has said. I remember the prayers in my heart. I remember the deep cries in my heart. And after disappointment after disappointment, frustration after frustration, time after time, I give up on it. God, I know you promised that, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna just give up on that promise. I'm gonna let that one go. Because maybe for me, it's easier to, for, to forget the promise or to let that promise go than to just keep praying over and over for it. Anybody else ever been there? See, in our lives, we hold on to the promises and, and sometimes we try to cash in on them. Sometimes we forget them. But no matter what, in this season, this is exactly how humanity has been like dealing with things for as long as I, I could ever remember and know. I mean, the brokenness in the garden, God's promise of restoration, this is the same issue that we faced in Genesis and, and we've seen throughout Scripture, right? Like this is the same thing, that, that it's the same from the beginning of the time, the promise of restoration back to God, back to th how things were supposed to be. Restoration back to his, his deep presence in our lives, to hear the footsteps of him. To hear him walking and speaking with us. To bring us reconciliation to what was broken and know him intimately and personally. See, Luke is going to tell us the story of the coming King Jesus. It's a story that if you grew up in church or you've been around Christmas for any time, you know about this story possibly. And he's going to paint this picture of this extraordinary birth of a virgin named Mary. But here's what's interesting about Luke. He plays with our human emotions. Because before he gets to this great story, he's like, let me paint a little bit of a drama before. Because there's a tension that we're living in, they were living in. And I think it's important for us not to miss. He's going to prepare our hearts and our minds for the story we're going to look at today. In this series, we're going to be looking at <clears throat> the four divine angelic encounters around the Christmas story. And some of us are like, okay, so we, we kind of know about those. But today I want to focus on the first one. The first one. Zechariah. 
and his wife Elizabeth. See, Luke starts right away in his gospel. The first few verses is essentially laying out the drama of this man, man named Zechariah. And this is what he says in Luke 1, verses 11 through 17. This is what it says. Well, Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. And Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son. And you will name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must, listen, he must never touch, he says, wine or alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord, their God. He will be a man with spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. He will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. So here Zechariah is, he's a high priest. And in this moment we get, it, where we picked up is it starts off with him standing in the Holy of Holies. Now, this would have been a once in a lifetime, essentially, job for him to do. So you can imagine the honor and the prestige of this. But Zechariah is this old man. Him and his wife are well past time of childbirth. But yet here he stands and he has this angelic encounter. Angelic encounter. In one of the most high moments of his life, he, he walks in and he's probably thinking like, what if God's going to speak to me today? I wonder what God would say if he had something to say today. Okay, what if God has something for the people that I need to relay? I got focus, I got focus. As he's going in, there's, there's some scholarly debate. Did he pray for his personal stuff going on? Did he not? This is a, a pretty big job. He's going into essentially what they would say in the Holy of Holies is the moment, the, the, the place where they would experience the presence of God. This is a pretty big honor. And as he walks in, he has this encounter. Encounter. And as he goes in, it says the multitude of people gather around him outside, outside the Holy of Holies, and they're all praying and they're just waiting. And waiting for him to come back out. And he has this encounter with this angel. And he probably walks in and he's thinking he's going to give me something incredible. God, the presence of God is going to reveal something to me to relate to the people. And instead the angel shows up and he goes, hey, <clears throat> Z-baby, what's up? I got a message for you. You're going to have a kid. What? Yeah, you're going to have a son. His name's going to be John. He's going to point people back to the coming king. Oh, by the way, don't freak out, dude. I'm just an angel. It's okay. Right? So he has this encounter with this angel where he's like, what are you talking to me about? Like, what about the, the message for the people? No, no, no. I got a message for you. The Lord has heard your prayers. And you're going to have a son. Your wife is going to become pregnant. In this moment, if I was... Zechariah, I'd be curious to talk to him. Did he give up on that prayer a long time ago? 
Did he feel forgotten by God? Because when he walked in, did he pray, God, reveal something to me for these people so that I can come back and just point them to you? Or did he say, God, you know, I've been praying this prayer for a lot of years. I know my wife, she can't get pregnant, but like, it'd be great if you gave us a son. Whatever one he's in, can I just share with you, I would struggle with some tension in my own life. Did he feel forgotten by God in this moment? I mean, we pray for the salvation of a spouse or even a child. We pray long and long and long seasons for that. There's some of us who have prayed for, for the calling of, of a ministry in our lives that we're wrestling with or running from. There's some of us who we pray that God would bring that special person to us, that we are sick and tired of being alone. I just want a partner in life. There's others of us who just continue to pray over and over and over heartfelt prayers of God, I just want a child. And time after time, month after month, that reminder comes that we're not pregnant once again. I'm just seeking a child. Would you please just hear my prayers once again? But is there that season in our life where we just feel like after years and years of passionate prayer, we just give up? We forget the promise of God. We forget all of that and we just say, I'm not going to pray that prayer no more. He hasn't listened. He's not listening. He hasn't heard me. I'm going to forget it. Because Zechariah and Elizabeth probably have prayed years, years of passionate prayer for her son. But yet, Maybe they gave up a long time ago. Maybe they stopped believing God so much for that promise to come to fruition. And here's what's so intriguing is that in those, those times, especially Zechariah being a high priest, there's a sense of weight of shame and guilt even for him and his wife Elizabeth that they don't have an heir. They don't have a son. So as he walks into a moment, which is one of the highest moments of his life, I imagine he walks in with a different weight of shame and guilt. Is it me? Am I the problem? Is it me? Is she sitting here saying, is it me? Are they sitting here saying, is it us? And his encounter with this angel is so intriguing. Because it says fear fell upon him. The angel that appeared to Zechariah is not this romantic figure. It's not the chubby baby with wings. This is a fearful, fearful angel. It would send all of us trembling. And, and here he is. And, and again, every time that we start to see angels encounter with, with humanity is do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. If I see something scary, I'm, I'm afraid. I don't know about you. And they're just so casual, like, hey, don't be afraid. Well, dude, like, don't be scary, maybe. I don't know, right? Like, don't be afraid. And, and you can feel the tension in him of like, what are you doing here? This is not normal. And you're then saying like, God has heard my prayers. What? Are you kidding me? And then think about these moments where he's like, you're going to bear a son. Your wife is going to become pregnant and give you a son. Instant flashbacks to the Old Testament. Abraham, Sarah, oh my word, Father Abraham, this has happened before. Like, are we about to do that same thing? 
what is going on? Instant flashbacks. And then John, he's going to prepare the way for someone else. The Messiah. That's a pretty big responsibility for a little baby to be told. Right? Here this little baby, John, is not even born yet. And he's like, hey, your son is going to prepare a way for the greatest man to ever walk this earth. No pressure. No pressure, bro, on raising that one, right? There's this tension within him. And the tension continues to grow because he's struggling to believe this much like I would. He's struggling to believe. So Gabriel, the angel, tells him essentially this. You want proof? Because that's what Zechariah says. Well, prove it to me. Like, you're a God who shows up. God's a God of proof. So give me the proof. And the angel's like, all right, bet. This is the proof. This is the proof. You're not going to talk until he's born. That's a sucky proof. I mean, am I wrong? Like, you're not going to talk until this baby is born. So he's mute now. These are the first 25 verses of Luke 1. And here's what it tells me. These 25 verses, it tells me this. God is in the business of using regular people with all of their flaws, all of their half devotion and half baked faith to bring about his glorious, glorious presence and kingdom in this world. I don't have to have it all together. You don't have to have it all together. God's still in the business of using us with all of our flaws, half devotion and half baked faith to say, look what I can do even through you. We can feel the realities that Zechariah Zachari- here has of some doubt and some questions. We can totally understand it. I've waited and waited. I've prayed and prayed. I've done everything right. It says he was very righteous. He was well honored. And then all of a sudden, what happens? And now that I'm old, my wife is old. We're about to give birth. And I can't even talk. His faith. His faith may be little, but, but he's wrestling with some doubt. Probably much like some of us. Much like some of us. And I would, de- I would bet that bitterness is creeping in too. Time after time as, as Zechariah and Elizabeth have gone over to their friend's house and baby shower after baby shower. I'm so happy for you. I'm so excited for you. We give you the hugs. We give you the kisses. Here's the, here's the, the you know, baby carriage, whatever you want to call it in those days. I don't know. And, and we're so excited for you. And then they leave. And that journey on the way home probably is filled with a lot of tears. It's probably filled with a lot of bitterness. Why do they get another son? And we can't even have one. Can I just share personally? I, I understand that. Seven years going to baby shower and baby shower. We're so happy for you. We're so excited. And, and there's a part genuinely about that. But infertility sucks. And then getting in the car and being like, well, that's another one. Tears and bitterness and brokenness creep in. And can I just share it? It, it comes in real quick. And it's a heavy weight. It's heavy. And you can imagine that they are feeling defeated. But this encounter with Zechariah and this angel Gabriel is all about pointing us to the reality that God's promises will never return void. They will always be fulfilled. 
It points us to the, the reality that God's promises always, always are fulfilled. If he said it, he will do it. He's been faithful before, he'll be faithful again. And here's what happens. If you flip forward a few more verses in uh, Luke 1, 63 through 66, this is what it says. We skip over Mary, right? We're skipping over Mary right now. This is what it says, 63 through 66. And here they are, they're going, and, and uh, Elizabeth is about to give birth, and then they're like, what are we going to call him? Baby's father, what do you want to name him? And he says this, he motioned for a writing tablet. Remember, he can't speak still. It's been nine months, the bro has not said a word. He came out of the Holy of Holies, and he can't talk, and people are like, oh my word, he saw God. And then he goes home, and he's trying to explain to his wife, this angel said, you're about to get pregnant, and I can't talk. She's like, what happened in there? And here he is. He motions for a tablet, right? And he says this. And to everyone's surprise, he says, his name is John. Instantly, Zechariah could speak again. And he began praising God. All fell upon the whole neighborhood. And the news of what had happened spread throughout the Judean hills. Everyone who heard about it reflected on these events and asked, what will this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord was surely upon him in a special way. Nine months of being mute, he writes down his name is John, and he can start to speak again. And the first thing he does is start to praise God. The very first thing he does, like what a moment. God's promise is being fulfilled in this moment. You won't speak again until your son is born. The baby is born. He names him what God has told him to, and he starts to speak again. God's promise returns fulfilled. And he continues on. Listen to the poem now that Zechariah recites and, and says, Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty Savior from the royal line of his servant David, just as he has promised through his holy prophets long ago. Now we will be saved from our enemies, from all who hate us. He has been merciful to our ancestors by remembering the sacred covenant, the covenant he swore with an oath to our, our father Abraham. And we have been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness for as long as we may live. And you, my little son, he turns to his little boy. You will be called the prophet of the most high because you will prepare the way for the Lord. You will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins. Because of God's tender mercy, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. You can hear someone who has wrestled for years with the agony and the hope and finally hope bubbles up out of him. Finally, he embodies the true hope of the Lord. It's a, a poem about God acting at last. God has done what he has said he was going to do. Finally doing it. In the midst of the pain, in the midst of the longing and desire and freedom, the Messiah is about to come. And Zechariah is, is reassured of the promise of centuries of old. Father Abraham, the line of David. God has not forgotten. God has not forgotten. For some of us today, we have to remember that. 
that even when we've stopped praying, we've stopped talking about the things of the heart, God has not forgotten. No matter even if we have forgotten, God has not forgotten. I often wonder how many of us are sitting in this room today because God has not forgotten the prayers of a loved one for you, for me. How many of us had a loved one, a parent maybe praying for us year after year, time after time to bring back their lost kids into the faith? God has not forgotten. The many hearts longing for restoration to what was in their families before the enormous blow up happened. God has not forgotten you either. The long lost friends who have been fighting the fight against alcohol, the broken relationship, the pills that have controlled them for so long. Can I just tell you, God has not forgotten and he sees you still. Even in the midst of maybe you have forgotten it, he has not. He's in the business of fulfilling. When we forget, God fulfills. In the right time, in the right moment, God does exactly what he has said he would do. Always. That's the story of Zechariah's encounter. That God has not forgotten his promises. As the band comes up, as we close today, there was years of quiet prayer. Years of trusting that God is God and he has not forgotten. That God in his goodness, in all of his goodness, he's promised a new David. And that new David is about to break free. About to be born. A prophecy that many were starting to doubt is about to be fulfilled. The silence of God is about to break through in a resounding song to be sung. The light of the world, darkness will no longer have a hold on it. See, Zechariah stands out to us because we, we are just like him. We have doubted, we have struggled with faithfulness, and we've asked a lot of questions. But God has not forgotten, has forgotten you. He has never done that. Even in the moments of hesitating between faith and doubt, Maybe there's a moment for some of us today to, to recall on the promises that he has in our lives. Maybe today you need to remember that he has called you, his son, his daughter. He's not forgotten about you. That he has not forgotten his great love and his presence that is inviting you deeper into a relationship with him. That maybe today your step of faith is remembering that you are his. You are his and you call him Abba. Father, to publicly stand before this world and announce that you follow him. A savior that came, that died and rose again for your sin and my sin. Baptism. Baptism is an external sign, an external declaration of an internal revelation that has happened in your life. It's publicly sharing who you are and who you follow. Maybe for some of us, it's the very first time you, you'd ever do this. Maybe you've been wrestling with what to get baptized or not. Maybe for some of you, you're sitting here and you're like, I've never done that step and that's terrifying. I get it. But it's an opportunity for you to stand in front of your church family and to say, I follow a risen Savior. He is good. There's other of us, maybe we've been baptized as a baby and you've walked away from the faith and maybe you've struggled through faith. Maybe you've been faithful even. But today, God is nudging you. The Spirit is nudging you to say, today, I want you to publicly stand and, and show the world that you are my follower, that you have chosen to follow me. You can get baptized today too. 
See, the reality about Zechariah's encounter is that God's promises never return void. They always are fulfilled. I don't know what you've been through, but there's some of us here this morning, I'm, I'm pretty positive and convinced of it, that God's been stirring you to take this step in your faith. Maybe for some of us, it's a, it's a, it's a stance, a, a moment where you say publicly, like, I'm accountable now. I need to get baptized again, or I need to get baptized to show the world that this matters. So here's what I want to do. I want to pray for us. And then after my prayer, I want to just talk very briefly as, as the, we have a baptism this morning. Somebody signed up for it. I want to talk briefly about it. So would you just join me in prayer real quick? Father, we love you. We're so thankful for you being a God who loves us and cares for us. And God, I ask that right now you would just come and that you would meet us here. That you would speak directly to our spirit, speak directly to our hearts. And as you do so, Lord, would we just be drawn back to you? God, I ask that you continue to stir people who maybe this morning need to step into this tank and get baptized and publicly declare that they are followers of you. Maybe for the first time or, or another time. God, I, I ask that you give them the, the courage and the boldness to make that step. Lord, we just humbly submit to you because we know that you are a God who fulfills exactly what you have promised us. You've done it before and you're going to do it again. And so, Lord, we come to you and we just ask that your Holy Spirit would come. Fill this place. Fill your people. And let us walk with you. God, we pray this in your name. Amen.